The scripture reading today is taken from Isaiah 30, verses 15 to 16, and Mark 2, verses 23 to 28. Starting with Isaiah. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. And reading in Mark, chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look. Why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Thanks, Peggy, for that reading. Do you remember the days of dollop modems? I'm sure some of you do. 14.4 kilobytes per second was the dollop speed. Uh, way back then. Uh, and then there was this great upgrade where the modem went up to 56, point, no, 56 kilobytes per second. And I still remember telling my mom to get off the phone so that I could get online because you couldn't be on the telephone and get onto the internet at the same time. And then there was this great big revelation when you could get Roger's internet for three megabytes per second. And now my home internet is at one gigabyte per second. For those of you that don't know anything about kilobytes and gigabytes and all that stuff, a, one gigabyte is a thousand megabytes. And, and one gigabyte is one million kilobytes. So just imagine, we, we used to be on 14 kilobytes, now we're at a million kilobytes per second. And did you know that there's still people in Canada who still use dial-up modem? I was shocked. Whether it's due to living in a rural area or they just can't afford it, having fast internet isn't, uh, isn't something that we should just take for granted. It's actually a privilege. And I can't imagine still using a 56 kilobyte internet connection. Can you, can you just imagine waiting for a 4K video to, to download or to stream so you could watch it? You'd be just sitting there wait, seeing that buffering uh, signal going around and around. I'm so used to this fast internet now that if I have to wait for more than a, a few seconds for, for a web page to load or, or, or you know, a, a, a movie to start, I feel like there's something wrong, and I'm trying to figure it out and turning off my Wi-Fi, using my cell data, because I'm just tired of waiting. I don't want to wait. I want it to happen right away. I can also lose my patience quickly when I have to wait in line at the store 
for more than a, a minute or two. I'm always surveying when I get to a grocery line to see which line is the quickest line. And I try to figure out which line to go, right? Because you want to get to that quick line. And then while you're waiting in line, you're, you're just checking out other lines to see if you've actually chosen the quick line. And if you didn't, you start having line envy, right? You're like, oh man, I, should have, I knew I should have gone to that line, but for some reason I chose that. And, and you go, have that uh, go, through your, go through your head. All the waiting can be such a pain. Um, I wanted to show you a clip about waiting in line that I, I think is really fun. You said this was going to be quick. Well, are you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast? I thought in Zootopia, anyone could be anything. Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Hey, Flash, I'd love you to meet my friend. Uh, darling, I've forgotten your name. Hmm. Officer Judy Hap, CPD, how are you? I am doing just fine as well as I can be. Hmm. What? Hang in there. Can I do? Well, I was hoping you could run a play for you. Well, I was hoping you could today. Well, I was hoping you could run a play for us. We are in a really big hurry. Sure. What's the plate? Two nine T number. Two nine T H D zero three. Two nine. THD03. T. HD03. H. D03. D. Mm hmm. Zero three. Zero. Three. Hmm. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. Mm. Okay. What do you call? A three-humped camel. I don't know what do you call a... Three-humped camel. Three-humped camel. Pregnant. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, you missed that one. There's a part where it's supposed to, he laughs in a very slow way. But anyways, it's so funny, isn't it? Like, I could feel my impatience even watching this clip. Like, just hurry up, right? And I think it's really it's poignant and actually pretty clever that it's a bunny that's waiting in line uh, for slots who take forever to get anything done. And I think it even is more... Uh, clever that is, is done, is, this is happening at a DMV. I'm not going to say anything about having to wait in line in government services, but let's just say that the movie got it right. right? So, Because, you know, we all think faster is better. We don't give out award awards for the slowest person in the world. We don't give awards out for the slowest cars in the world, nor for getting work done slowly. We praise cars that can drive really fast, uh, under three seconds, 
up to 100 kilometers per hour. We praise people who can work quickly and get things done quickly. And then we want everything instant, all the time, when we want it, like now. So in the midst of this kind of world, we are looking at the idea of slowing down and even stopping. We're not here to talk about just slowing down, but we want to talk about slowing down and stopping. In the Old Testament passage today, we see that God is speaking against the people of Israel because they're putting their trust in the Egyptians instead of God. Remember the Egyptians, the very people to whom the people of Israel were enslaved to, the very people that God rescued them from and gave them this new identity? The people of Israel would rather put their trust in Egypt than in the sovereign Yahweh who rescued them and freed them from the bondage of slavery and oppression. And in the Bible, Egypt is, the great, is a great symbol of bondage in, in biblical literature. And in the prophetic literature, Egypt symbolized the powers of the world that will ultimately fail us. Egypt in the Bible symbolized the life of luxury where they have horses for trade and produce fine silk sheets. All the fine things came from Egypt. And in many ways, we live in a world of Egypt, of luxury, fine things, power, and production. This just doesn't just happen, but comes at an expense. It comes at an expense to our own well-being, on the backs of those who support our lifestyle. And all this, uh, all this creates is a hunger for more, more power, more speed, more production, this insatiable hunger for more. See, the Israelites were under the attack from the Assyrians and have made, a, made an alliance with Egypt. Listen to what God says to Israel. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. God says that their salvation lies not in their allegiance to this great nation like Egypt, but rather in repentance and trust. God says to Israel, trust in me, rely on me, remember me, the God who freed you from the Egyptians. I will save you. But in their fear of impending doom, they would have none of it. Instead, they will put their trust in Egypt, in Egypt's technology in Egypt's power, in Egypt's horses. I don't know about you, but uh, I enjoy cars, and having a fast car is, is fun, and, and cars with a lot of horsepower. Because the more power you have, the faster you can go. And my current car has 228 horse, pounds of ho- horsepower. But I've been eyeing this tweak that I could do to my car that could push my horsepower up to 300 horsepower. And like when I was a teenager, the only cars that can do 300 horsepower were like supercars. And to imagine or to, to, to uh, have a car that could go 300 horsepower, to have 300 horsepower, is like my dream come true. Now, do I need it? No, I don't need my car to be any faster. It's not like I could actually go that fast because I keep to the speed limit. You know, I don't go over more than 110 to 20 kilometers per hour on the highway. 
But I just want it because it will make my car faster. And I just want that power. And the Israelites wanted to rely on the horsepower of the Egyptians to help them in their war. The cavalry back then was like having a fighter jet or a platoon of tanks. It's what, you, what won you the war. So let's look at what will happen to the Israelites as they put their trust in, in horsepower. You said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, oh, we'll ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. Because they would rather rely on Egypt and their quick horses, they will quickly flee with, their, with the horses. When they say, yes, the horses are swift, they're powerful, they will realize that it will only help them swiftly flee from their pursuers instead of saving them. In 2009, a man by the name of Robert Wang invented one of the greatest appliances known to Canadians, the Instant Pot. I have heard, anyone have heard of the Instant Pot? Does anyone own an Instant Pot? Okay, a few of you do. I've heard great things about the Instant Pot, that it does wonders. You could just set it and forget it, right? So, so I've heard. Uh, it's one of those things, uh, and, and you know that it's popular because, and it's doing well because you see it at Costco. So if you made it to Costco, then you, you've made it, right? And the reason why Robert Wang invented this product was that he and his wife realized that they have very little time to make food for their family because their lives were so busy. The kids would always love eating just fast food, and, and Robert wanted his kids to be able to enjoy good healthy food, but to cook it fast. So he invented the, the, the Instant Pot. And I think the success of the Instant Pot speaks to the problem of our world. Instead of looking at the problem of why is my life so busy that I need an Instant Pot in my life, we rely on the God of technology and our own ingenuity instead of stopping to reflect on our pace of life. God's intention for us is to live a life of rhythm that includes rest and work. This not only applies in a weekly Sabbath that we know about, but also in our daily lives. To say no to God's rhythm for us is to say no to God. To say no to God's rhythm is to believe that we know better ourselves and are much too important to take a break. I mean, people who take breaks and, and days off are the ones that don't make it in life, right? The harder you work, the more you get. The more you get, the better you are. And listen again to what God says in Isaiah. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. In repentance and rest is your salvation. The word repentance here is a Hebrew word, Shubah, which means to return, to turn back to God. It's not asking for forgiveness, but to stop in their frantic preparations and to admitting their limitations and relying on God. Interestingly, the word Shubah is part of the, part of the day called Sabbath Shubah, which is, is the first Sabbath between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, where the Sabbath is called the Sabbath of Repentance, 
or, or the Sabbath of returning. And this is where their salvation will lie. It is in stopping and returning to God and finding rest in Him. And when we stop what we're doing and are able to pause to spend time with God, it is in this quietness and trust that we can find our strength in God. This is why Peter Schizero Peter talks about the importance of rediscovering the ancient practice of the daily office and the Sabbath. These two practices can help us to stop and rest in the God who gives us salvation. For those of you that are joining us for the first time in this series, we've been, having a, we've been using this book called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And some of our small groups are actually going through this study together. And this is um, the chapter we're looking at, at um, the daily office and the Sabbath. So, so what is the daily office? It sounds like going to work, doesn't it? My daily office is, you know, driving through traffic, replying and getting to work, replying to emails, preparing for talks and other events, meetings, talking to my coworkers, and then punching out. We don't actually punch out, but then heading back home, fighting traffic again, getting home for dinner, preparing dinner if you have to prepare dinner, or using the Instant Pot and just going home and having dinner ready for you, right? And most of, most of us can relate to this kind of rhythm in our life. And the daily office is called this because the word office, and we've talked about this before, comes from the Latin word opus, which means work, so daily work. And this daily office was actually uh, set up as a, a set times in the day where people would stop from their work so that God can work in them. It was, it's not a way in which we do stuff for God where we're striving to do our spiritual work so that we can get close to God, but rather giving space for God to work in us. And this was done every day in set times, I, I believe seven times a day throughout the day. And, and I, I believe um, St. Benedict, for them, they would even have um, like um, 3 a.m. time. But it was a way to reschedule and reshape their daily lives from that of striving and production to that of trust. It's a way of stopping from our daily work so that God can work in us. The other practice that Peter Cicero mentions is Sabbath. Once a week, God gives us the space to rest, to recharge, to center our lives around him. Sabbath is a way of us stopping from our frantic lifestyle. It is a way to stop not because we're, we're done with our work, but as a way to stop because it's time to stop. If we had to stop after we've done all our work, we would never actually stop, right? And Sabbath is a God-given gift to a world that wants to keep producing and living in a way that is dependent on their own productivity, productivity and giving space for quiet trust. Seizing from our work and our desire for control over our own lives is a form of trusting and resting in the God who provides and delivers us. When the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, they had no rest. They did not have a day off. They were no longer persons 
but slaves. They were just things that were expendable because production in making brick was what mattered. They were no longer people created in the image of God. And Sabbath is a way of reclaiming our humanness and reflecting the very image of God in us. When we tell others that they cannot have rest, we are taking away their humanity. I remember, like, there's this one restaurant that I love, and I love going to it. And, and both my wife and I at one time went on a Sunday. And when we drove up, parked the car, walked up to the, the front of the store, and it said, it said it was closed. And I was like, man, why are they closed? They should be open, right? Like, I need to go eat on a Sunday afternoon, and they're, they're closing? doesn't make sense. You know, and I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe they think having a rest is a good thing. And really, it is, and they should rest, right? But because my desire for food on a day that I want to have it out of my own convenience, I want them to be open. But what if we thought about other people and other work uh, that needed rest in order for them to also reflect their God-given image? And since the pandemic hit, I, I have been on this uh, barbecue kick um, and of, of barbecuing some good meat. My friend gave me a Weber charcoal uh, barbecue set. And so I'll, even though I have a, a gas barbecue that would be a lot quicker, I just found this just taking time to light a charcoal, heating it up and, and getting things ready to be very just therapeutic. And, you know, putting on some good Korean barbecue meat on there and Caribbean stuff, is, it was also very therapeutic. So, so I did that, and it, it was, it's been something really um, good for me. And my friend gave me some pointers of how to smoke meat and to smoke brisket. And sure, I could have gone, gone with, like, a simple smoker that you could set it and forget it for convenience sake, or I could just go and buy it from the store. But I wanted to learn how to do it and to do it properly. And did you know that smoking a big hunk of meat takes a long time? It takes over, you know, 16 to 20 hours to do. You're doing it overnight. You know, you need to uh, make sure the fire is at a certain level. It's not a simple job. It's a very big job. And because of that, you have to plan around it. Like, I had to check my schedule, make sure, you know, can I stay up? You know, can I not have a good night's sleep and still be okay in the morning? If I want to eat it by 6 p.m. with my family, I had to work back and make sure I had the time to do it. Um, I also checked the weather, right? You have to just do all of these things to make sure your life can be set so that you could do this thing. And I think there's, there's a takeaway from smoking meat and, and slow cooking in this instant pot world. It is an awareness that good things take time to make. Yes, you can speed up the process. Yeah, we can just go and buy it somewhere. But then you miss out on the joy of the process. You miss out on sl slowing down and letting something happen over time. And the daily office and Sabbath are ways of us slow cooking in an instant pot world. It is a way of us trusting in God. It is a way of saying to God and to ourselves that we do not matter as much as we think we do. We are not as important as we think we are, and neither is our work. It is stopping and acknowledging that God is God and that we are not God. 
slowing down, stopping from work, resting are gifts from God. Like any gifts, though, if it can be a problem if we become too legalistic about it. The Pharisees, for instance, were a group of people that cared greatly about the Sabbath. But it got to the point where it became a way in which to oppress and burden people. A thing that was supposed to give them rest and, and joy became another burdensome thing, thing to, uh, another to-do thing for them. And this is why I love what Jesus says here about the Sabbath um, in Mark chapter 2, 27. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us and not us for Sabbath. Meaning Sabbath was given to us so that it can be life-giving for us through rest, through rest and another, not another thing to do so that our lives become more burdensome. In the same way, work is made for us and not us for work. So as you think about your life and your daily rhythm, your daily, weekly, and even yearly rhythms, how can you rearrange your schedule in a way where you can stop and rest in God? To put your trust in Him that He is the one that provides for you and not because of what you do. One of the things I found from uh, scheduling my, my uh, smoking meat times, but also just in general when you put things in your calendar, is that when other things come up, you work around your set schedule. That thing that's been important for you, so you put it in the calendar. If other things come up, well, sorry, that time has been already scheduled, and you work around that time and fit into uh, your, your daily rhythm or weekly rhythm um, what's important. But the thing that you've already put in first, that thing that's important, becomes the anchor in which you schedule your time around. So if you do use your calendar for work or just, just even for your family, I would encourage you to think of some daily times where you can stop just to take a breath. I know that it's now even popular in health apps and even in your Apple Watch, if you have one, it like rings you to take a breath, right? So we already know that stopping and taking a breath, even from work, is beneficial. How much more if we take that time to take in the breath of God, to take in God's presence in our lives in those moments of rest? So I would just encourage you, um, and the thing about this is that it isn't rigid. It's something that you need to work out yourself of how can I make this part of my daily rhythm. So if it's to say, you know, a lot of you may have work where you, you are actually given time to rest, like you get breaks. Sometimes what I, I find at church for me is that because we don't have set times for breaks, that sometimes you're like, you know what, I got I to gotta finish this. And you just, you just forget about your breaks. But I, just as working on this talk and just even just reflecting on it for myself, you know what? Work and wait. The sermon can wait. It's fine if it's, an, if it's not that great. You know, God will use, use whatever, right? And so then I say, just go for a little walk, right? And, and hear from God and, and take that moment of silence and recognize that he is with you. So... Uh, Again, Peter Scazzaro gives us some principles around how we can apply this to our daily uh, office and Sabbath. And the heart of these two practices 
and what we've been talking about today is to stop to surrender to God in trust. We're stopping to surrender to God in trust. So here's some of the principles that, that will be up there. So for the daily office, it's really, literally, the first thing we need to do is just to stop. And then he encourages us to find a way to center ourselves, to be in silence, and to, if you like, you could reflect on a short passage of, of Scripture. For a Sabbath, and this is one I think is hard for a lot of us and something that's hard for me and, and I need to work on, is to be able to stop for 24 hours. That's hard, right? Can you imagine not working or worrying about work for 24 hours in a day? But to be able to get to a place where you can just stop for 24 hours, rest, take the light, the, the things that God gives you that gives you life, take the light in those things, your family, the things that you enjoy, like maybe working on your car, if that's the thing for you. Um, and then contemplate. One thing I think for us that we've kind of built into our rhythm is our worship gatherings. It is a way of us stopping from our daily or the, our weekly busyness of life. It is a way for us to stop and to gather together to hopefully rest a bit, to delight in God and in one another and to contemplate in who God is and who he calls us to be. You know, during this time of COVID, you could argue that it's been the perfect time for this world, for our world, to rest, to stop and recognize that we are not God. But I don't know about you, but in many ways, I've been more busy and more stressed in this time than, than less. Like a hamster on a wheel, I find myself frantically running and trying to keep up. But God gives us permission to stop and rest. That in our time with him, we recognize that God is the one in whom we have salvation and not in our work. How will you stop to surrender to God in trust? And I want to end our time today with a time of silence and of centering prayer. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to set an alarm on my phone for, for three minutes. Um, sometimes I find when I'm trying to do this on my own um, is that I'm like, has it been three minutes yet? And I keep like looking at my clock, right? So a great way to do this is, is just to set an alarm so that you don't have to worry and, and to spend some time in silence with God. So uh, a few suggestions is to sit uh, upright, if you can, in an attentive posture and to place your hands on your lap and to gently um, close your eyes and bring to mind a word. So this, this is a word that will help you center or, or to focus. And so it can be a word that, you, that would help you reconnect with Jesus or God, right? So, if, you know, it could be Jesus. For me, uh, the one I like using is uh, Jesus the Beloved. Um, and then halfway through my prayer, it switches to I am the Beloved. But whatever phrase or a short word that will help you just kind of come back to God as you feel like if your mind wanders away or you start thinking about other things to kind of come back to the center. 
So we'll do that for three minutes. There's, there's no getting it right. There isn't a proper way to do this, but it's just, just to be silent and to give space for God. So we'll do that t- today together uh, in person and with those of us that are online. I invite you to do this as well. And then hopefully this is something you can practice at home um, in your daily times with him. So I'll set the alarm and, and then we will start. You know, one thing I noticed, even just doing it now, is how antsy my body got. I almost felt like I needed to move. Um, but at the same time, the, the great thing about that is it helps you recognize how hard it is for us to be still and to be silent. And so 
the more you do it, I find, the more you are able to recognize that, but then also to release it. So um, I encourage you, you know, again, I, I like to go for walks and to be silent, so that's another way to do it, and everyone is different in how you can be still. So I encourage you to uh, try different things. But why don't I pray for us as, as uh, we end this time? Father, we, we thank you for who you are and for your, your gift to us, your, your graciousness to us, that you're a God who gives us good gifts and things that um, give us life. And I thank you that even after you created creation and um, worked hard for six days, um, that you rested and, and you said that it was all good. And so... God, I pray that you would help us um, in our own um, lives of what it means for us to be able to stop and rest and to just enjoy your goodness and, and the things of this world that you made to be good, including ourselves. So, Father, if there are things we need to let go in order for that to happen, I pray for uh, the grace to do so. I pray for even... Um, those moments of reminders throughout this week that when we hear your uh, still small voice telling us, hey, take a break, just stop, that we would not ignore that, but to hear and listen to you. Thank you for the gift of silence and stillness and, and rest and, um, and, and slowness. And I pray that you would help us to, um, to be able to live in a pace that's, that you've set for us and not the ones that we want to set for ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.